It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Today on Off Tackle Empire, the state of Indiana goes into the timeout chair to think about what they've done. And also Northwestern and Minnesota, meaning it's not totally unreasonable to watch the entire five-game slate. That's how you explain the gutters not being cleaned out. Go with that, and let us know how it works. Today on Off Tackle Empire. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire. We're getting into the middle of October here in the great state of Mitten. Folks nationwide want to talk about what happened in the SEC in terms of the rest of the country. I'm just fixated on Cincinnati dunking on Brian Kelly after they mollywopped his team in their building. Oh yes, this was a wonderful thing. We were talking about this uh, last week, I believe, that uh, after... Brian Kelly took Cincinnati near the mountaintop and then told them all in private that he was not leaving. And then, not only did he leave, but they found out during their team banquet that he was not at. They found out over the internet that he was ditching them for the biggest game in school history, and that was 12 years ago. So then Cincinnati came all the way back. And honestly, one of the really, one of the only really truly feel-good stories in college football, they went and they took a 17-0 lead at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame never really threatened to win this game. Cincinnati just erased them. They immediately uh, seized on some of Brian Kelly's comments earlier in the week about why he scheduled Cincinnati, uh, to which Kelly replied that uh, he wanted to... um, just wanted to give those schools an opportunity to play Notre Dame. Usually those schools are are wanting to do that. So Cincinnati's social media team thanked him for the opportunity and then put together a video, a mashup, a 52-second video of Cincinnati coach Brian Kelly describing how that great day's Cincinnati game. Is. How, <laughs> great Cincinnati, yeah, how great Cincinnati's performed <laughs> and they're against an opponent that had a lot of history and tradition and that now people understand what Cincinnati is all about. They understand the Cincinnati fans and everything. And, and, and I'll just say it again. Cincinnati's the place to be. Um... Richly deserved. Uh, that guy is an absolute son of a bitch, and I'm very glad that he got his comeuppance. And it, it, it certainly seems like uh, people are respecting Cincinnati enough to move them up to number five, which is, of course, the highest they're ever going to get ranked because, God forbid, they ever make the playoff. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes because the results in the SEC basically tell us Alabama and Georgia are going. We know that for sure. And so now the question Georgia can is, probably like how many wins do you think they can they can or how many losses do you think they can actually take? One. I, if they lose more than one, then it's very much up in the air. But I guess play each will, other in the regular season. I don't think so. Well, because the question <clears throat> is, will they put Georgia in with a conference championship game loss? They still the selection committee has still never done this. They have never put in a conference championship game loser. Have we had the situation where the conference championship game loser was otherwise undefeated? Has that happened? Uh, I don't 
No, well, I, Iowa, I, wait, wait. Iowa. <laughs> Iowa, and also didn't Wisconsin have one of those? Um, yeah, I think 2017, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. So, but of course, it's not the SEC because it just yeah. means. Well, but more. so, but so the point I was actually trying to get to there before I the Georgia thing is so this week Kentucky beat Florida, so that kind of rules them out. Florida's got two losses. About like. I think, what was it, nine ranked schools lost to unranked schools this week? Yeah. So, well, that was one of those. Um, we mentioned Georgia. They beat Arkansas, so that fun ride is probably over. Yeah, I got a question. What are we going to call our dick trip of the week? We haven't given this award out in a while. That's true. It felt kind of mean-spirited last year, given how everything was going, didn't it? But it we it felt get... inappropriate. And I think there is a clear-cut number one this this week. I don't think you can do any better than Oregon... Losing at home to Stanford after taking down Ohio State, allowing 28 points to them, allowing 31 to Stanford, albeit in overtime, still allowing 31 points to the Stanford offense that pretty much got shut out at K-State. They, they scored a, a very, very late touchdown. Yeah, and so of course the natural result there is now there's a very real chance the Pac-12 is out of the college playoff running. The Pac-12 circle of suck is nearly complete. One week into October, because Oregon's now got this loss to Stanford that's frankly probably not going to look that great at the end of the year. UCLA lost to Arizona State, who in turn lost to BYU. Of course, you know, the funny thing is going to be when ASU runs the table, BYU likewise goes undefeated and they put in Arizona State over BYU, even though BYU has the head-to-head win. That's going to be the thing that really reminds everyone what the true hierarchy of college football is all about. Speaking of the... Well, I, I uh, want to just get back to why Oregon is our number one with a bullet. Because with a 24-17 lead, uh, the Oregon Ducks punted on uh, 4th and 14 at the Stanford 43 with under two minutes to go. And allowed a touchdown with no time remaining to force overtime. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was... It was, it was not just the circumstances, it's how it happened. Um, there was, uh, there were, they, they went from having, uh, let's see, this is a 97.8, not wait, 99.9% chance of victory with second and 15 at the Stanford 8 for, for Stanford after they got a false start. Um, to, of course, a 100% chance of losing the game after losing the game. <laughs> yeah. Um. Looking at other teams, other results, Oklahoma is not blowing anybody out this year the way they usually do, but they did avoid that dangerously placed K-State-shaped Lego this year. Skylar so. Thompson was back in the game, so <laughs> yeah. that was... Yeah, and, and that's, that makes it even I mean, more finally, finally, Lincoln Riley has proven that he can defeat Skylar Thompson. <laughs> in single combat, yeah. Uh, Fresno State's run for the group of fives in the year six bid is going to end with a loss at Hawaii, always a difficult trip. But Cincinnati, BYU, Coastal Carolina, keep on keeping on. Um, Wake Forest is 5-0, and and they're only ranked 19th <laughs> because they're in the ACC. Uh, elsewhere in the well, ACC. Well, and you know who's not ranked in the ACC is Clemson. Who won? Yeah. <laughs> they, they beat Boston College and still moved out of the rankings as I guess people decided they'd seen enough of this bullshit and don't want to have to think about Clemson's terrible offense anymore. Um, Florida State, the winless Seminoles, very wisely avoided playing. They do not take a loss this I mean, week. That's a I'm, great, great strategy. I'm seeing that they beat Syracuse 33-30, but Are you sure? Um, I'm fairly confident. 
This does certainly seem like a thing that happened. Let's look here at ACC. Um, that must have happened fairly late. Yep. I'm seeing that Garrett Schrader is apparently a must-start in fantasy. But... He's that, that guy that um, Mike Leach kicked out of Mississippi State because he was a running quarterback. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's a roundabout way of losing to kind of a bad team. So maybe they didn't play last week. I don't know. Maybe I just had a stroke while I was doing this. It was very late when I wrote this. How much toast was smelt? Uh, Miami is the dick-trippingest team outside of Nebraska. Yeah. What was it, like a 31-yard field goal they hit the upright on as time expired? <laughs> yep. Uh, so... It's amazing that Michigan State played two of the dick-trippingest teams in the country in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, and we didn't really need Miami to... to I mean, like the, I guess you could call their entire approach and performance, but it's not like there was one moment against us where they really screwed it up. And also, the California Golden Bears are truly haunted. Uh, they lost to Nick Rolovich's Cougars by a couple touchdowns, and the reason I bring this up is because... They blocked a punt and allowed a first down. I have never seen that happen. They, they blocked a punt. Uh, I think the up back picked it up, got a sick block from the punter, and converted the eight-yard fourth down. Well, That's a very black-pilling experience for a football fan when your team does that. Depending on the exact circumstances, though, if the ball is loose such that there is... At some point, I guess there would have to be a change of possession for the chains to reset, right? Such that... Because I think in some circumstances like that, if there's a you know loose ball or something like that, and you recover it, it's just like it's like treated as a change in possession, and you get the first down no matter where you get it. Well, but I don't think no, that but that's would be... behind, because that was behind the line of scrimmage. Okay, I haven't you, seen the play. So. Well, you can't. I mean, you can't advance the ball past line of scrimmage, but this was blocked behind the line of scrimmage. In any case, that's a very black pilling thing to experience as a as a fan. We're very sorry that we that we transferred our big-time haunted energy to you in a bowl game. Cal fans, please forgive us. Uh, let's talk about the Big Ten. The, the long-time blood rivals of the Pac-12. Uh, the Big Ten isn't eating itself yet, but it's about to start. You keep saying that every week. I mean, what did we do last week? Like, Maryland lost? Did you really think they were going to make it to mid-October undefeated? Like... Well, of course not. But one must fall. In one matchup, yeah. There's still a way for there to be a handful of undefeated teams after we're done with this week, though. So, let's start with the big, nude slate. Michigan State at Rutgers. How about Stategers? How are you feeling about Spartgers? I feel pretty confident. I We're the better team in all three phases. I, yeah, I'm saying that Bryce Berenger is a better punter this year than Adam Corsack. Go ahead and try to find me online. You can't at me. Um... Hopefully the run game is able to stay on track against an effective defensive front, though, because Northwestern gave them serious, or not North, Nebraska gave them serious problems. <laughs> oh my god, I just confused Nebraska and Northwestern. Who's going to be more angry with me? I guess we'll find out. Uh, but <laughs> this offensive line is better, but they're still not actually good, I don't think. The only problems Northwestern gave them were exposing just how good the conditioning was as they repeatedly ran down the field after Kenneth Walker. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see if Michigan State's offensive line can make any space for Walker against this. I don't think it's going to be as bad as the Nebraska game. At least I certainly hope not. Uh, but they were able to, uh, Rutgers was able to, <clears throat> to bottle up 
a pretty functional Michigan rushing game. I say which, functional. Which did not have anything resembling the passing threat that Jaden Reed Absolutely. and Jalen Naylor posed. So, um, I, you know, it's, hey, it's, if, you're, if, you're, if you're looking to directly compare the two teams, this will be a benchmark. I don't know that it will, because our approach to the game is going to be very different from Michigan's. But if you want to do the common opponent thing, is this the, well, Michigan plays Nebraska. So yeah, I guess we'll have a little bit more in the way of data there, but I've never thought that that makes a lot of sense as a comparison after the first couple weeks. So I don't, I mean, the, the good thing about Western Kentucky giving MSU a fight last week is I think based on the comments that the coach and the players make that they understand they're not good enough yet to look past anyone uh, and they also have something of a good fortune in the schedule there because there's a bye before the Michigan game. So they go at Rutgers, at Indiana, bye, Michigan. And obviously that's the game that you're always concerned about traps before it, but if there's a nice little bye space there, hopefully they just focus on these two road games and give something like a good performance. I don't know. What's interesting is one of the people that was working at this winery that I got our wouldn't fight Tripe Rooster of the Week from the... Uh, week five in review episode from, uh, we were actually talking about football and it turns out he was at the game where the, where the plumbing stopped working at, uh, was it, <laughs> oh, was yeah? it, was it Shea Stadium then or was it, no, or is it I still it was, High Point Solutions Stadium? I believe it was still High Point back then. Ah, okay, yeah, so, um, there, there were, there were many solutions that required a very high number of points. Yeah, just opening the gates and letting people wander back out to the porta potties. Um, very, very on top of it they were. As far as Rutgers' offense goes, really the only guy who remotely concerns me is Aaron Crookshank. He's capable of breaking a big play if you lose track of him. But this run game has it, despite the fact that Isaiah Pacheco was still there and still a very capable bowling ball type. There's not a whole lot on this offense that really scares me. I, I think we've, I mean, Vedral's a little bit of a running threat. We faced the, like, so he's like the off-brand version of Adrian Martinez to an extent. And we did a reasonable job containing Martinez, getting a couple turnovers out of him. So I feel pretty good about our chances in this game. I'm, I'm not saying we're going to blow him out or that it's a given that we'll win, but there's enough of a body of work at this point that, the MSU fans who are still saying, "Dude, I think we're still trash." Like, we're, well, we're ranked eleventh, so I mean, now I don't think that there's been a big body of evidence that Mel Tucker is a chess master. But if this ends up being a back and forth one score game, I trust Greg Schiano to br- to blink early and often. Well, and confusedly, as as though he's not sure why everyone can't see why he's what he's doing is the best move. Do that, Tim Beckman staring into the sun face. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel pretty good. I don't know that I've seen lines come out yet. It's a little bit early in the week. Rutgers, of course, wants this to be a choppy game. In <clears> fact, <throat> a lot of chopping is there to be had in this game because this game is to determine oh, yeah, who yeah. really gets to keep bitching about, uh, about chopping being a thing. Uh, we do because Tucker was doing it earlier. I, <laughs> I, I believe I read something. I think it might have been from On the Banks saying... I don't know how they dare appropriate the slogan we've been using since 2005. I was like, oh, well, Tucker did it almost 10 years before that during his earlier stint at Michigan State. So I'm not going to, if you, if sports is all about imagined grievances, right? What do you think? Do you think we're going to come out on the fields and warm-ups looking like, looking like sharks and jets here? Chop, 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 chop. Just chopping <laughs> at each other all in unison. <laughs> Snapping their fingers, yeah. twirling around. Yeah, yeah, just 
We can only hope, but to be honest, the broadcast never catch any of the pregame shit. So even if that happens, we're not going to see it. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, and even if they did catch that, I'm sure that the uh, that the networks would be too cowardly to air it. Like uh, like Doug Baldwin pooping the football in the Super Bowl. <laughs> this seem this seems inappropriate. We're not gonna. <laughs> but uh, elsewhere in the noon slate, Maryland and Ohio State. Skip this one. Blood everywhere. A once again turnover forcing Ohio State defense is not what Tungabayaloa needs to see right now. Notwithstanding how bad the injury looked, Dante Demas did yell, "I'm coming back!" as he was being carted off the field. I guess I, which like. Big ups to him for that. For that's a baller move for the de- I'm not for lie. the defiance in the face of your own body's failure. That's that's a baller move. I mean, um, mad respect to him. Okay, I, uh, of I, course, hope, I hope he's right. The man who I had the most respect for saying a comment though was uh, 49ers DB Quandre Diggs when he was asked if uh, his teammate uh, Sidney Jones. Oh, no, no, it was not 49ers. It was uh, Seahawks. Seahawks. Yeah. He was asked if his if his teammate. Uh, if a teammate uh, blew the coverage on the long Debo Samuels touchdown, he said, you must think I'm some kind of snitch. <laughs> but political that's, that's, say yes. that's, that's probably the, the highest level of respect I had for any player's comment. But Demas was up there. That's a baller move. Yeah. So, so look, whether Demas goes or not, presumably you game plan around Jarrett and you dare Maryland to try and out athlete you with their run game that involves all these sweeps to the outside with the running backs. You're not faster than Ohio state. So Michael actually did beat Ohio state once. First off, it was Jim Trestle, Ohio state. So it was substantially worse. And second, he did that with a pulverizing running game. Maryland does not have Richard Mendenhall nor juice Williams. Yeah. So well, add add up all that. A overpowering O-line. That's the big thing that, right. that they would lack. Add up all that stuff. You know, C.J. Stroud looked no worse for the wear with that supposed shoulder issue against a pretty solid Rutgers defense. Really a better defense than Maryland is going to bring to bear. So I'm going to go ahead and pencil this game in as a severe beating for MSU when we play them. Um, and this this one should be over by halftime. Uh, Speaking maybe- of should be over by halftime... Wisconsin at Illinois, it's homecoming for the Fighting Illini. How do we know that? Because they're playing Wisconsin. (laughs) Now, Brent Bielema has done maybe the one thing that he could actually be (laughs) capable of doing to get me back in his corner ahead of this one. And he has announced that we're not wearing the fucking gray uniforms anymore. Holy shit, we're actually going to wear our school colors for homecoming with all the old people. I mean, that's the thing about this. That always pissed me off. I mean, I don't know that I'm necessarily an old, but I do know who comes to homecoming, and it's the olds. It's the olds. Can't confirm. Like, whether or not the recruits care about the gray uniforms, they don't. The olds certainly are offended by them. Um, So so we're going to wear the orange helmet. The uniform is yet to be revealed. I'm actually kind of excited about it, because shit, I don't know if Bielema has any input on this, but the helmet that we're using looks great. I think they usually have some. I've gotten the very strong impression that Mel Tucker is influencing a lot of branding and stylistic themes around MSU football now. Or if he if he's not doing it personally, then I I, I no I, I do I'll get tell the, you what if all Brett Bielema ever does for Illinois is make us like wear football uniforms that look like football uniforms that Illinois should wear. <laughs> I mean. That's that's better than most coaches have done for us because they sucked while we looked like shit. 
It's true. Lovey Smith did suck and fail to get any movement on the uniform issue. If he no, actually, it went way backwards under Lovey Smith. Yeah, so. went way backwards. Uh, things were actually kind of decent under Tim Beckman, although he introduced these baffling blue face masks in 2012, and then. And we got a new uniform that looks good, but that introduced the grays. Yeah. In any case, that's about how I feel about this right. game. So presumably, this storyline will get more play when Illinois goes to Wisconsin next year. But this is, of course, Bielema's reunion with the Wisconsin program. Uh, Paul Christ is, of course, the plumpest, juiciest, most pear-shaped fruit off of the Brett Bielema coaching tree for the time being. I mean, Sam Pittman's probably going to... It seems like he's going to eclipse Chris pretty quick in terms of success. But perhaps there's some kind of lingering knowledge of tendency that that could go either way, honestly, now that I think about it. I, I always say this, like, when we were talking about the Wisconsin-Notre Dame game, I made the point that I thought was very saucy at the time, like, aha, but does anyone know Jack Cohn better than the Wisconsin defense? And then, like, later as I was listening to the episode, I was like, yeah, but the opposite is true. Like, he knows the defense, too. Yes, and so, so. when you consider that, when you consider that that basically makes every strategy both ways a little more effective you go with who's got the most talent and it's wisconsin illinois has had players that have generally just failed to do things at a big 10 level illinois had some players that are good but the offensive line has certainly been an enormous disappointment they pushed around disappointment they pushed around charlotte last week but whoopty shit so did duke like yeah again we so did georgia state we sit here and record before the lines come out but if the under is if the over under is anything above forty, mash the under. I mean, this one, am I right? Graham Mertz has been terrible, but so has Brandon Peters. I mean, yeah, and it's going to be one of the ugliest quarterback matches. I mean, I think Brandon Peters could be the worst quarterback I've ever seen at Illinois, and that is a very, very high bar to clear. And Wisconsin's going to stop you from running. They're going to make Brandon Peters beat them. Yeah, and without and with the lack of anybody that can really make throws in contested traffic, you know, like contested throws in traffic. After Peters sent Luke Ford to the sidelines with a hospital ball, yeah. thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, so yeah, like, but does not the equal strategy also apply for Illinois' defense? So really, this game is going to be about who is better between Graham Mertz and Brandon Peters. Uh, I don't think that because I think Illinois or I think Wisconsin's going to have more success running the ball against Illinois than mm-hmm. they did against Penn State and Michigan and Notre Dame because they. Their, their offensive line is certainly below Wisconsin standards, but the Illini defense hasn't shown the ability to stop a running game of that magnitude. And by of that magnitude, I mean, like... Any good at all. UTSA, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but look, not, to, not to say anything bad about Sincere McCormick. This is, this, is all, this is all much to do about nothing, because with all due respect, I don't think anyone outside those two fan bases is going to be watching that game when Penn State-Iowa is I'm going to be in Champaign, frame. and... Uh, I was for sure not going to this game, but now I'm really <laughs> thinking about it just for the chance to see them come out of the tunnel on homecoming wearing orange and blue again. And then I'll probably leave. What if they what if they like hit you with the neons? It'll be great because it'll be orange. No, I mean like neon green. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I mean that's definitely a thing I could see. Not one of MSU's colors either, but it didn't stop them from putting us in those fucking state uniforms a <laughs> no, couple you mean, times you a mean year. Tat. That's, yeah, because you could. Because you, couldn't you can't see, see anything that's on the sleeve. The sleeves are tiny now. So damn stupid. But Tat. anyway, um, so no. I mean, Wisconsin should win this one easily, and it should probably be an extremely in the weight room, in the community type of score. Yeah, like, we'll, we'll like like nine, twenty four, ten, twelve, nine. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I just think they'll get they'll they'll get it rolling. Yeah, um, we'll see. I, <laughs> it's just the the gap's just too big. So, Penn State at Iowa is obviously the marquee game of the week in the conference. This is number four at number three, and is an the obvious is is game that releases their schedule. They're going to this game, right? Um, no, game day. Yeah, aren't they? No, they're going to the Texas State Fair. Yeah, be fucking kidding me. Nope. Nope. They almost always go to that game, though. That's the thing. They almost always go to that game. Got to be some producer there who likes deep fried shit. Um, well, and also, if I like Penn State at Iowa is more important, but I'm not gonna lie. Oklahoma, Texas has a chance to be more entertaining only because Oklahoma seems to be just like a, a hair's breadth away from tripping all over themselves. Uh, game day doesn't do doesn't pick their games by entertainment value. Are you out of your yeah. mind? We no, wouldn't see not. so many games involving fucking Auburn if that was the case. Yeah, that's absolutely true. No, I think I think this was preordained. I think they never intended to flex that one out of there. Uh, and of course, remember, you remember when Texas was back after they beat Louisiana, the <laughs> mighty, mighty raging yeah. Cajuns. Technically a ranked team. Uh. So it's possibly that this was it was possible it was possible that this was booked then. I guess I think you gotta leave yourself some flexibility so you can actually you know go to the biggest game that week. That maybe just just a thought, just an idea. But no, by all means, uh, go to go to Texas, Oklahoma, so we can see who. Jeez, yeah, all right. Uh, my my actual point, bringing that up though, was that this is an afternoon game between number four and number three. It's at Kinnick. Why not flex this to a night game? Well, somebody powerful at Penn State is clearly pulling the strings to avoid that. Oh yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't. If you right, and so you know what, powerful people at Penn State could be doing worse things, pulling strings. So anyway, oh dear, um, um, hard to know what to make of this game on the field because these are both solid to great teams across the board. They're both stronger on defense. That suggests a low scoring game. And low-scoring games are where Kirk Ferentz lives. So I would, between that and the home field, i probably give the edge to Iowa here. Uh, but Penn State is good enough to make this close. I'd, Penn well, State's offense has generally looked less broken than Iowa's. Yes, and if Sean Clifford... Again, this is, this is the game where we really find out. Is Sean Clifford actually good now, or has he just not needed to risk turning it over to this point? Because he's going to have to risk, make some plays. Well, and the field. other thing is there is another question that you have to ask of Penn State. Can they run the ball well enough to make Iowa care about running the ball, about them running the ball? Yeah, because if not, that remains to be seen. Yeah, and that and they've had problems. They again, their success against Indiana is promising because that is a very good run defense. But this is going to be a different animal. If Penn State's able to run the ball here enough that they don't have to risk turnovers, they I, I would certainly favor them to pull this upset. Ten to nine, Iowa. I'm gonna go with. Six to five, Iowa. Well, we've been looking at it from the Penn State side of things entirely, okay? I think we need to be a little more fair and balanced in our coverage and cover this from the Iowa side because. We really have to. Because when you actually look at how well Iowa has done on special teams, it's the phase of the game that people want to ignore because you don't see all the flashy highlights okay, I, from I, a if, touchback. If, if I could, could we like? I, I think people probably want to talk about offense more. I, you, I don't. For, I don't understand you, why no. you would think something like that. Maybe. Maybe all of those, you know, younger 
you know, whipper snapping, booming, you know, zooming, ultra trumming type talk of about special teams more. Is, uh, you, you, I, you what what about. were we talking about? Uh, oh, um, so anyway, what's going on with soybean futures is, I think, really unprecedented in the history of the central Illinois Valley. Should um, should we cut to the like to, to the B roll of the harvester? Is that do you want me to roll that now or? It... What, what were we talking about? Give me Iowa seven to three. Ugh, gotta shake that off and get to Michigan at Nebraska. I wasn't joking when I said I hope Michigan wins this game. I don't know that I've ever actually said that sentence before in my college football fandom. You can look at the records here and conclude that Michigan shouldn't have any problems here. After all, they did just win in Madison, which is another notoriously difficult venue. But if last week was a sign of the light finally coming on for Nebraska and the result in the score column kind of lining up more with how they're actually playing down to down, then this could be tight. If, if Again, if last week wasn't just Nebraska emptying the clip into an already dead Northwestern corpse, then this, in terms of interesting, this game is probably more interesting than Penn State-Iowa. But Absolutely, because I think that if you look at our power poll's current results... I don't know how they'll develop as more people fill, fill it out, but by the time this episode is out, it will be published. I have Nebraska over Wisconsin right now. Oh, hell yeah. I don't think that's close. I think they're going to win that game by a couple scores. But I'm saying I have Nebraska rated higher as a higher uh, rank than Michigan's last opponent, so by all means it should be certainly more interesting than Michigan-Wisconsin. Um, but don't discount the legendary Memorial Stadium as an ESPN top 25 toughest places to play. Now, are you thinking back to NCAA 99 or 98 when you say that? Well, I'm thinking you simulate a dynasty 30 years into the future and it'll still be like that even if Nebraska somehow isn't good anymore. Uh, sure. So, on the field here, Nebraska does have the dudes on defense to force Michigan to throw the ball. And they, they showed a little bit of a willingness and ability to do that against Wisconsin. They're going to need to come out with a similarly aggressive game plan though, because yeah, letting this crowd get into it, you're, you're not going to hear Nebraska boo their players after a couple tough series, the way you heard the boo birds come out in Madison, which I don't think I had ever heard before. And in Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah. So why, well, which, you know, to be honest, people are always like, Oh, they're college players. You can't boo. I'm like, I think most of them understand, first of all, the stakes are high enough that people are invested, are spending a lot of money to be here. They are going to boo. You are basically a professional athlete without the, without the salary. Well, hey, I always put it... And also, I'm more booing the coach than the players. Yep, exactly. That's so. what I was going to say. That's what I say. No, I'm booing the coach. Yeah. But anyway, it's going to be, like I said, very interesting there to see whether and to what, how Michigan balances their play calling because... Taking a couple deep shots early last week paid big dividends for them, in my opinion. And then defensively, this should be more of a challenge for Michigan than they've faced so far. We thought they were going to get a test from Wisconsin. They really didn't. Washington on paper should be good on offense, but they aren't. So Michigan hasn't faced an offense with the ability to make explosive plays like Nebraska. Right. Explosive, again, could mean a couple different things. Exactly. So the thing is, Michigan has played one game 
where it's been like a reasonably close endgame scenario. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could kind of count Washington, but it didn't really seem like it was all that close. Yeah, agreed. And I do want to mention that, yeah, it's true Western Michigan has a good offense on paper, but it was also the type of offense that Michigan would be able to hammer once they made some adjustments, and that's what we saw. So, so yeah, in terms of a real wire-to-wire, athlete-to-athlete challenge, this will be the first offense Michigan has seen that is on their defense's level. So do you think this will be a close game? I do think it will be If a you think game. it's a close game, then there is only one logical conclusion here, and that is that Michigan wins. Because have you seen Nebraska in close games? Yeah. Yep. So you're going to an ESPN 25 toughest places to play. And the end result will be, congratulations, you have completed an ESPN instant ASIC. <laughs> That's the only way I can see that one ending we'll take is a, uh, in heartburn. Yeah, we'll take a turn now around the rest of the country. You mentioned the Red River Shootout apparently hosting game day for some damn reason, even though it's the worst Oklahoma team of the last decade. And yeah, Texas, I think can, Texas, Texas is going to win that and game. And Texas continues to not be back. Um, I think Texas is going to win that game. Just Oklahoma is in love with making mistakes this year, and it just seems like a Texas is not better than them. But I think Oklahoma is going to dick trip just enough. And and like I said, they they had an explosive receiver, and then he went to Miami. Um, I guess to escape the coming dick trips from Oklahoma. But little did he know that Miami would be doing just the same thing. It was like like when Robbie Anderson thought he was free of Sam Darnold. <laughs> You'll never be free of the Darnold. And then he just walks into the locker room and does the same point he did on the SBN graphic right at Anderson. <laughs> In your locker room. Indefinitely. 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 <laughs> so, um, Arkansas at Ole Miss for the SEC West runner-up. Yeah, both teams coming off uh, swinging at the champ and missing. Uh, We also have Georgia at Auburn, which actually was my guess for the dumb place they would put game day instead of Kinnick. Um, Again, I I think they do release a schedule a few weeks ahead of time, but I never look at it because I don't watch the show anymore. Man, pardon the interruption, dunked on Lane Kiffin extremely hard in the week leading up to the game. And then... Uh, Alabama and everybody else online dunked on Lane Kiffin for saying some reasonably entertaining things pre-game that didn't even strike me as particularly arrogant. It's like, you know, he was just like, oh, you know, you might want to get your popcorn ready. I don't know. I hope we don't run out of game, you know, pages for this game plan. And it's like, man, come on. Why do you hate fun so much? No, that's that's exactly what it is. Is that because so many coaches now follow the sterilized Belichick or Saban script, thinking that's what you have to be to be a good coach and taken seriously. Whenever someone does say anything remotely interesting, it's like, whoa, the drama. Yeah, and like, I, I, I can't remember what, uh, you know, what absolute stooge it was that went on a rant about how Lane Kiffin is not even a football coach because he's a clown over on Pardon the Interruption. Like, congratulations on never watching football in your goddamn life. There are plenty of people that are very proud to have been coached by Lane Kiffin. And he's been a difference maker everywhere he's gone. Now, did he get in a pissing match with Al Davis, who was losing his marbles by this point? Yes. And by all means, Lane Kiffin was probably in the right there. And he went out in the best blaze of glory I've ever seen, kicking a 76-yard field goal. Okay. (laughs) The USC thing, I don't think was Lane Kiffin's fault. I think they got worse after he left. They put it together for exactly one season since then going through several coaches who were substantially more embarrassing than, you know, USC lifer Lane Kiffin. Um, and he never, he never did anything there that was all that No, all he did was yeah. lose some games with overwhelming talent, which, like, 
is the post Pete Carroll tradition at USC. Yeah, so. the only the only thing that Clay Helton's doing differently is the overwhelming talent is going away. Yeah. So, I know by all means, uh, Lane well, Kiffin was, deserves was doing <laughs> Lane Kiffin deserves uh, no scorn here. It's it's refreshing to see somebody have a different approach to this game, and it's unfortunate that they just couldn't overcome the vast talent advantage that Alabama had. Yeah. But hopefully that'll change. Um, elsewhere, you have Boise State at BYU. You know, five years ago, this probably would have been a marquee game. Kind of feels like Boise State's time is ending here. Once Peterson left, Harson sort of kept it afloat for a while, but yeah, it's sort of it's got like a, an elves in Middle Earth vibe, where it's like yeah, it was good while it lasted, and it lasted for quite a while, but it is coming to an end. Would you would you then compare uh, Nick Saban and Alabama to the uh, Dwemer in Elder Scrolls lore? Where they're now basically, they're basically at this point, hopefully on the verge of like completely vanishing from the earth forever after discovering how to manipulate the heart of God. <laughs> we that only seems help. kind of like Nick Saban's side project, does it not? <laughs> yeah, it, he's sure he's got the lake house. What you really think he wants to deal with a boat? You can, can you picture the the complaints Lane or that Kevin that Nick Saban would have about boat ownership? Good grief. Elsewhere, for your Pac-12 after dark viewing pleasure, consider UCLA at Arizona, where UCLA is coming off a loss to Arizona State. And Arizona, one of the worst teams in Power 5, gave Oregon a fight last week and softened them up for Stanford. We never did order those sickos shirts, did we? Not yet. There's time. Hey, I'm going to shout out to another, another really fun Twitter follow for college football that I've seen. It's at Sickos Committee. <laughs> it's great. They... they they, they track games that sickos will be interested in watching and also do a lot of photoshops with the sickos guy face. It's, it's the one that I sent you of a yes. bullbound UT El Paso with yes. the, a minecart with the sickos yes. face on the front of it collecting scalps. <laughs> yes. yes. Source for Big Gun Kong. It's off tackle. Empire!